The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary taste with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we get to the show, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Introducing New Fat Tire Belgian White, a refreshing Belgian white ale brought to you by New Belgium Brewing Company. New Belgium Brewing Company is a 100% employee-owned brewery specializing in Fat Tire Belgian-style ale, the American classic craft beer. Inspired by centuries of Belgian brewing heritage, Fat Tire Belgian White is a refreshing take on the traditional Belgian-style wheat beer. We had a couple of these... Belgian whites last night as we were watching the wonderful animated feature Anastasia. And I'll tell you, they were tasty and they paired with that Don Bluth classic perfectly. You can find Fat Tire Belgian White near you by using the Beer Finder link at www.newbelgium.com. That's www.newbelgium.com. That's Belgium with an M. Enjoy the show. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh. It's important when you start the podcast, you have to have a loose throat. Yeah, is that what you That's doing? what I forgot to do. We actually had a restart because my throat was too tight. Uh, so in order to do Rasputin, Rasputin, what we got to have is big old slack anaconda throats. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. Looking at Marcus Parks. <laughs> None of you have to relax your throat. You did, I'm also, a loose snake. It's not a an loose exercise. Snake That's not an exercise. It's a funny snake. Loose, loose, funny snake. It's not an exercise. It's literally not a voice exercise. I'm Ben Kissel. Thank you. I am Ben Kissel. My voice is fine as always. Marcus Parks, your voice is great. And we have python throat over here <laughs> i'm like a sock with a brain yeah i'm a sock rolling around i'll eat your dog <laughs> loose funny right. snake very good we are on to rasputin part three uh we, we got a lot more to get to here a lot more information much much more information when it comes to rasputin yeah i hope you guys are ready for the fucking test after this <laughs> every single time i read about rasputin be rasputin can't stop it is that because it's so it's so deep into mire of Russian history yeah did you have to like like last night I, w- I was in bed with Natalie and I was trying to explain to her Iliador right which we'll get to and the breakdown of how Iliador with like the the sins of Rasputin's past came to haunt him leading up to the assassin well, actually, his assassination this, pretend, pretend I'm Natalie I'm, I'm tall <laughs> I, I have reddish hair uh, oh I'm, I'm tired <laughs> I want to go to sleep wake up what? Wake up. What? Baby, this is an emergency. Baby. What? what? Baby, it's an emergency. Is Jackie? Are you awake? Is Jackie fine? What's going on? Where's Wendy? 
So the problem with the the assassination attempt of Rasputin is it actually starts <laughs> in 1912 when Rasputin first met Iliador upon a task sent him. He was sent on, right? No, listen, this is the breakdown. Baby, baby, wake up. Mm-hmm. No, you can't see me under the covers, but I'm, I'm slowly removing my engagement ring. Uh, Legally, and I'm you will be that on the with me forever, very soon. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. It's I mean, fun, though. Yeah, Henry's grown up a lot over the years. I mean, we know his last major relationship ended because he was talking about Hollow Moon, and now this one yeah. is going to end because he's talking about world history. Wow. See? Growing. That, that is <laughs> adulting. 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 Hashtag adulting. <laughs> so with Rasputin gaining more and more influence, the Orthodox Church figured they better do something about all this. Not because Rasputin was immoral, but rather because he was horning in on their business. Hmm. Well, the thing is, when he took the, he adopted the Stadets. Once they called, started calling them Stadets like a year ago, they, he was not supposed to ever take that title because that's supposed to belong to the Russian Orthodox Church. Once he started like, what he, what he would do was kind of playfully accept it and then make the people around him like sarcastically call him father. But Oof. eventually that became real. And as he's sitting there, people would go to, for him to advice. And essentially the Russian Orthodox Church, not only would they give advice, but a lot of times they'd give it for money. Like they would oh, sell yeah. advice. They would sell counseling, which is kind of what Rasputin was doing himself, so he's been a real Ray Kroc. It's almost like they're a flim-flam psychic community. Oh, well, the church was extremely corrupt at this point. I mean, yeah. they were a part of the state, so of course they were corrupt. Mm. Now, the church started in Rasputin's hometown with this whole investigation, where they got a couple of priests to declare him a heretic. Uh-oh. But that petered out pretty fast. Uh-oh. Then they went even higher to another bishop to do an investigation, but the bishop just ended up being charmed by Rasputin. The and bishop liked the him. The bishop loved the him. The bishop he, liked him. And he even made sure to comment on Rasputin's beautiful basso profundo voice. I love bishops because they all look like hard-boiled eggs who are like <laughs> kind of rolled through a barber shop and have eyes. That's cute that you think that because I view them as just big, breathing, money-sucking butt plugs. <laughs> There's also that component to it. If you don't know what a basso profundo singing voice is, you got to. I've got an example. This is how Rasputin sang. It's awesome. Beautiful. I am going to listen to that nonstop on my iPhone, and I want someone to be like, so what you listening to? And just plug that into their ear. I would follow that man off a cliff. Well, that's I, I the thing, legitimately that- love that sound. <laughs> Bishop shows up basically being like, you're a clasty and we're going to fucking, we're going to pin you on it. We're going to dig up all this dirt. We know you're a horse thief. We know you like <laughs> pulling your cock out all the time. And then he shows up and goes, <laughs> and the bishop's like, have my wife, please. She does the take my wife bit. I don't even think he stole the horses. I think they just went with him. I mean, that voice, that that's horse music. But also remember, this is a good tip. I've found Beso Profundos before because there's nothing quite as funny as being on a bunch of fucking edibles and watching bass quartets from Russia. That's incredible. I, I totally believe that.
It really brings you in there. Well, Rasputin, he got rid of the people in his hometown. He charmed the bishop, but his fight with the church was just beginning as they were about to unleash a dog from Rasputin's past to raise hell. Uh-oh. Enter Iliodor. <laughs> Big dog. Big dog. Get in that bone. Dog will hunt. Well, since meeting Grasputin before, Iliodor had risen through the ranks of the church as a pious anti-Semitic firebrand. Okay. And when Iliodor arrived back in St. Petersburg, he found that he didn't like what Rasputin had become. Okay. Because, as we said, when Rasputin left Iliodor the last time, he was still a somewhat reasonably pious holy man. But we have a situation where an anti-Semitic holy man doesn't like Rasputin. That makes me think I like Rasputin. <laughs> well, This is a problem. Mean, this, well, is a, this is a, not a bad enemy to have. This well, guy seems like a total bigot. Well, that's one of the things about Rasputin is that Rasputin was actually very, like, pro-Jewish. Right. Uh, he was actually, like... He very much was cool with all the Jewish people. And also, like, mm. ever since his days uh, when he got really freaked out at the uh, monastery mm-hmm. uh, because they were all gay, he evolved on he that. Evolved. And a lot of his friends were also gay. But he, uh, just because someone isn't anti-Semitic and isn't homophobic does not make them a good person. No, but it makes them better <laughs> than someone who's anti-Semitic. <laughs> That's true. That's yes. true. But he's a slippery fish. Remember, a part of it is, is that he's a slippery <laughs> fish and he ends up whatever boat that he falls out of whatever fisherman's hands. Does that make sense? I don't sense? want to think about Which, Rasputin as a slippery fish. He That's was a big old hairy carp with a fucking long egg stem. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, way back then when Iliodor first knew Rasputin, Rasputin had a predilection towards the ladies, but at the very least, he was sober. Because remember, mm, Rasputin right. was on the wagon for a few years there. But in the intervening years, all that had changed. Uh-oh. Rasputin had become a drunken loudmouth. Again. Again. Yes, again. Round two. Yeah, round two. Hmm. And he would like, he would on the regular claim that the imperial family was under his thumb, that Nicholas called him Christ incarnate, Hmm. and that Hmm. Alexandra would kneel at his feet promising never to abandon him. Now, I gotta ask, how scared were the horses? (laughs) Because they knew the last time he was drinking, they just kept, uh, he kept on abducting them like he was an alien. (laughs) No, he was gentle with them and he charmed them. Mm -hmm. He was a horse whisperer. So actually, the drunker he got, the more charming he got, but in actuality, it was the opposite. I think that's true. The (laughs) drunker you get, it's bad in human world, but in horse world, you're king. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're the best guy around. And then things got personal. Okay. When Rasputin and Iliador reconnected, Rasputin spent most of the time talking about his sex life, all while teasing Iliador for never getting laid. If I could just be a fly in that wall, I would hang myself. Yes. <laughs> you imagine Rasputin, stinky Rasputin, talking to a chunky anti-Semitic monk about, her, about his sex life. How disgusting that must be. Now, giving Iliador shit for being a virgin was one thing, but maligning the imperial family was something different altogether. Mm. Iliador took that shit seriously. And so, Iliador switched sides from friend to foe and joined the fight in removing Rasputin as an influence on the imperial family. Hmm. And while there were many smaller plots that failed, this the grand scheme that Rasputin's enemies had involved a Finnish ballerina named Lisa Tenson. Oh, yeah. I was... 
I was going to make a joke about how they created a paper mache vagina that was actually a <laughs> trap and he walked into it, but they actually did that. Okay, Kissel, good to know. there are good many stories. It's like Yogi Bear, but with yeah. pussy. Okay. Every I see. story that they deal with, in the, and it's all of this stuff. We're like, we left the door hanging open to the main priest's wife's uh, chambers because they would like leave the door open because they knew that Rasputin seriously couldn't help but sneak in like a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> they need to get glue traps. Glue traps for this guy. So this ballerina invited Rasputin over to her house one night where they proceeded to get fallen down drunk together. Then, when Rasputin was good and ready, Tanson brought out a few hired naked ladies, Woo. removed Rasputin's clothes, and took a few secret photographs. Well, they're setting him up. But it's definitely like a fucking, it's like a porno movie for Rasputin. <laughs> Every day in his life, he's thinking that it'll unfold like one of those, the, the, one of those like the bang bus scenarios where he'll just like be abducted and all of a sudden he's forced to have sex with 10 women because also part of it is that he's getting rid of their sin, remember? Mm, and so oh. sex with him and other women is a burden, which is a thing I actually do believe he thought was real. Yes. And that he thought that God made his dick hard as much as it did because it was punishing him and he had to give it out and so he mm. would roll into these scenarios and be like oh, I've got to fuck <laughs> all of these you know I gotta I'm gonna get a little blue here mm -hmm. with a little humor you know some people they say you got a cross to bear he had a, he had a cock to bear <laughs> very good <laughs> which yes. is ladies and gentlemen welcome <laughs> to the late show <laughs> it's, it's, it's after 9pm put your grandmother to bed uh, wow but is it wasn't like a I mean, what are cameras like back then? Don't you have to wheel something in and you got like a big light no. bulb that goes off no. and you got to like make, you got to put it into a black? I actually no. think so. And I think Rasputin was like, God, get me from the right. That's where my balls look most spherical. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was these huge <laughs> no. cameras. No, 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 no. Secret you're, cameras? You're thinking like, you're thinking like this, the cameras you're thinking of were around like, that's like 50 years before this. This the is the early 20th century. Like they're doing okay. battlefield photography at this point. I'm thinking the we cameras that were would be uh, that would take a lot of pictures of the dead kids. You ever see those pictures? Mm -hmm. Horrifying. Yes. Yeah, that was long before. That, that was, was long decades before, before this. Decades. Yeah. Remember, this I is mean, early the, 20th century. This is not that long ago. It's still, it's not GoPros. No, it's, it's a big not. camera. Like, it's a visible camera. Like, it's, it's coming out, and they're they're taking a picture of him. He's just so fucking hammered, and he thinks right. that this is such a party that he doesn't care. You remember, we're going to hit this again and again. Rasputin doesn't give a fuck yeah like he does not care about his standings he doesn't he has no agenda he is just rolling to whatever the next thing is and trying to like play it as it lays well soon after that party a delivery man knocked on rasputin's door with those pictures in hand uh -oh. and an ultimatum leave town or we give the pictures to the czar you mean to tell me that you're going to give the pictures to the czar that make my dick look like it's massive and I'm surrounded by hot women? Yeah, I guess I didn't have it flipped and turned around like that for me, but yes, Mr. Rasputin. Well, I mean, they knew that this was going to hurt Rasputin's reputation right. because at this point, the czar and the czarina, like, they see Rasputin getting a little handsy with women, but for the most part, all of these stories about Rasputin fucking all the time, like, Alexander, the czarina, she saying they're all lies. These are all lies that people are telling right. to get Rasputin, to malign Rasputin for whatever reason. Uh, and the czar is just kind of going along with what his wife is believing. So, But this is proof. So this is good blackmail. This, this is, is great. Big, this, this is, is big stuff. This is great blackmail. 
Number one, this story is not that long ago. No. This story is uh, about 100 years ago at this point. So a part of it's like, I'm always forgetting this is not medieval times. Yeah. And so they essentially Lelo'd him. They hit him with the paparazzi move where they're like, now we got the proof. We're going to fucking embarrass you. But what they don't understand is that Raul Rasputin's a fucking dog. And he goes where dogs go, which is under the house. They go to heaven. Dogs go to heaven. Yeah, Rasputin, he got ahead of this whole thing. I mean, these people totally underestimated him. Rasputin took the pictures to Nicholas himself and said, I'm sorry, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I wow. had to do this. Meanwhile, it just right as you could just see because they they talk about how Nicholas's face when he saw him. His head was in his hands as he's looking at these pictures, and you know it's like sort of like the the Roger Rabbit with the patty cake pictures, but instead it's just fucking Rasputin's huge horse cock being played with by seven nude ballerinas, and it's him just like, oh, seriously, Rasputin, you did this? Yes, it's called the wheelbarrow. Oh my, yeah, this is what you did. All right. I don't want to hear too much more about this man's sex life. So, the, oh, I'm sorry, gonna, Kizzle. You're going to hear a lot oh, more about goodness. this man's sex life. You're locked in. You're talking about the man that his own daughter called. I want to do this one. This this is fucking in, it, disgusting. Rasputin's own daughter called him a demon of the flesh, an erotomaniac, a satyr caravashur, and a chief of a mystico-erotic sect. <sighs> <laughs> That's just I never want my child to have any kind of insight into that. Like, yeah, they like dad's good, a sexy like, guy. I just want to be like he liked to fish on Sundays. <laughs> he would he loved his programs. He would he started to wake up in time for Meet the Press around the age of sixty, which he really did start to enjoy. <laughs> well. These guys that concocted this whole plot, they figured like this was going to be, this is going to cut Rasputin's head right off his body. That Rasputin was either just going to leave or the czar was going to say, get the fuck out of here. Right. But instead of banishment or even a light punishment, Nicholas actually rewarded Rasputin with the free all expenses paid pilgrimage. Yeah. He, he, he got a Price like- is Right trip. <laughs> he got a... That's what he got. He got to go to sunny, I guess, San Antonio, Texas. Like one of those trips where they just sent him out like on a scouting expedition. And he was just like, are you sure? Because this is, it hurts me so much to not travel first class, though. I mean, that my, my thing is, so this is a punishment. I will take my own baggage to, oh, first class. Oh, okay. That's much to my fucking like. Yeah, I miss those game shows. It was always a carnival cruise they won. <laughs> hey, dude, Price is Right is still giving away oh, yeah. all expenses paid trips to Bozeman, Montana. You don't got to tell me. <laughs> but when Rasputin got back from his vacation, he found a new Ober Procurator of the Holy Synod waiting for him. Uh-oh. I wish I knew what those <laughs> words <laughs> meant. Yes. No, it, it is d- in the seventh episode of uh, Devil Man Crybaby, I believe, is when I <laughs> first heard of the Ober Procurator of the Holy Synod. <laughs> Now, it doesn't really matter exactly what the Ober Procurator of the Holy Synod actually was for our purposes. Okay. Don't want to get too in the weeds on that good, one. Good. All you need to know was that the Ober Procurator of the Holy Synod was the head of the Russian Orthodox.
Orthodox Church in the state capacity. It'd be pretty much if we had a secretary of religion. Oh, of course. I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Of course. Yeah, you know all of this. Yeah, it's so yeah, easy. It's so easy. So Anybody easy. can do it. You just, yeah. sit, you just sit and you can piece together your own Russian government. You just need 20 wrist boards that you all turn into various branches of government. And then you just shuffle people back and forth depending on who's fucking who. Not a problem. <laughs> and what really mattered was that if Rasputin was going to survive at the level he was becoming accustomed to, he needed to have influence over the church. And if he was going to do that, he needed the over-procurator of the Holy Synod on his side. Naturally. <laughs> and that's the thing that I think is misunderstood about Rasputin. And I said this at the end of the last episode, but I think it bears repeating. Rasputin never seemed to actually want to do anything. Hmm. No. In other words, he had no grand plans in store for Russia, no vision that he wanted to fulfill. All Rasputin wanted was to be Rasputin. And in order for him to be the most Rasputin he could be, he had to stay at the highest levels of power. Because that's where he had to be, man. Because that's where the choicest cuts were. He's out there (laughs) fucking Rasputin needed the best of the best because you know what? He walked... He walked from Siberia to gay paradise and back, and he knows what it like, yeah. what it's like to hard travel, and he's not going back. Yeah. And Rasputin like, uh, has, he just has no, he doesn't give a, a shit about anybody. He's kind of like uh, Jesse. Remember the VJ? Uh, he, Jesse Camp? Jesse Camp, although uh, Rasputin wants power, Jesse Camp heroin. <laughs> he wanted heroin. Yes, Jesse Camp is definitely and, a fan of heroin. Yes. <laughs> Or Rasputin's biggest challenge was that there were dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people who wanted him as far away as they could get him from even communicating with the imperial family. Hmm. They all hated him. Yeah. They were all like, what the fuck is this guy doing around here? Because mm-hmm. he was in every single, he was showing up at, showing up at all the meetings. He was showing up at these, all of these high functionary group, groups, bullshits, like everywhere he was going. No one he was hanging on all the, like the, the, oh, the highest levels of social class, like all, all these talents. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, who's bringing this guy around? Well, the thing is, it's important to remember, nobody knows about hmm. the hemophilia. Nobody knows right, about Right, and that's still his magic trick. That's his magic trick. Nobody knows about that. Not even uh, Alexis's uh, tutor knows about his hemophilia. Mm. I mean, nobody knows about this shit at all. So everyone's minds are just blown. Why the fuck is this guy around? Right. Well, one of the people that were trying to get, that was trying to get Rasputin out from under the Imperial family's wing was a man named Hermogen. Of course it was. <laughs> yes. I know Hermogen. You don't even have to tell me. I, Hermogen, he's long. He's from a long line of Hermogens. Uh, if he's angry, they call him a Hermogen. I understand. I, we don't even have to go into him. I could just explain that right there. He likes cheese. <laughs> now remember, Hermogen, he's a big old boy. Big, thick old beard, and they said he had a high, high voice that they suspected was because he castrated himself for his love of Christ. Jeez, okay. He was the bishop of Siberia. All right. And who should be at Hermogen's side but the most tenacious monk in Russia? Iliodor. Mad dog. Mad dog's fucking loose. So one night, Iliodor invited Rasputin to a party at Hermogen's house. 
Think about how many times this has already happened to, to Rasputin. How many times they've been like, come over to this house. We're going to have a little get together. And then everybody jumps out of the closet and say, gotcha. They do it again and again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you think he'd learn. No, but that's the thing is that it's like that happens once out of every, I don't know, 200 times. Every other time he goes to a party at someone's house, he has a fucking great time. Okay. He's just constantly partying and drinking and dancing and, and, and hugging and ha, ah, man. It's, He's it's but when Rasputin arrived at this party, he was greeted not with a party, Uh-oh. but Hermogen, a Duma member named Colonel Ivan Rodanov, mm. and a guy named Dmitry Kolyaba. And it's the first episode of Intervention <laughs> that ever aired. And Kolyaba is referred to in the untold story as, quote, an epileptic halfwit. Okay. So tell me, guys, is this going to be one of those things where you give me a ticket for being too sexy and one of you starts <laughs> jumping on my crush? Come on, guys. Let's do this. Where are the naked ladies? Oh, come on. Let's, let's fucking, let's crack this open, huh? Oh, we no. need to talk, Rasputin. <laughs> That's what it was. Like, Hermogen, like, he opened up by just hurling accusations at Rasputin, calling him every kind of no good son of a bitch in the world. Uh. But when Rasputin tried firing back... The halfwit lost control, Uh started screaming. He went full wit. And grabbed Rasputin hard by the cock. It's just. Oh my goodness. That probably brought Rasputin back to his horse days. This is two times already that we've only mentioned. And I'm talking about when you read the books, this happens multiple times where groups of people grab Rasputin. This man was just, he was in a a room and all of a sudden this guy's like, you son of a bitch, jumps forward, grabs his dick as a weapon. Rasputin's like, I know how to deal with this. Motion back and forth. Now it's sex. You try to hurt me. Now I'm making it fun. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Rasputin wiggled his dick free. Uh, But. My goodness. <laughs> but they were still able to grab him, and they dragged him to the chapel where they made him swear that he'd never talk to the Imperial family ever again. Okay. But as soon as he left, that's exactly what he did. Oh. He ran of off. To, he ran off to Nicholas and, and tattled. <laughs> you know, this picture of ra- running was just like whap, 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 <laughs> with, his, with his little leg there, his third, his third uh, leg. No, there's no word as to what happened to the colonel or the halfwit. But for, I hope or, they wash their hands. <laughs> yes, yes, a lot of hand sanitizer. Yes, <laughs> but for organizing the whole thing, Hermogen was stripped of all his powers and titles and thrown into exile. Oh. And Iliodor, in response to all this, he threw a very public and prolonged fit. Okay. He denounced the Orthodox Church as an abomination and a desolation. He <laughs> called the Holy Synod a house of pigs. Oh, he called yeah. Alex a Rasputnaya woman and Nicholas a, quote, little man, a drunk, a weed puffer, and a fool. And to top it all off, he said that Alexis was fathered by Rasputin himself. And you can just hear everyone just go... <gasps> Like yeah. he said all of it, like, what are you doing? It's also like if you're just walking by, you just see this like fat monk screaming on the corner about the dong of Rasputin. You're just like, hurry so, along, kids. Nothing well, to hear here. How big your cock is that you could make multiple people go completely insane? Because it's, it's a part of, of it. How many times he's like, he 
keeps slipping out of every single trap I set for him. It's like Wiley Coyote. I don't get it. Iliador then renounced his faith in a statement written in his own blood, saying orthodoxy was nothing more than magic and superstition. He then proclaimed himself a pagan deist and fucked off to the country. So Rasputin's dong. Is so large, it, it, it broke a man's religion. It broke his religion. It broke his faith in God. That's yes. how. That's how much wow. it shattered him. That's how slippery that dog is. That's, that's how. That's how funny that face is of Rasputin. Wow. Is that he could just? He's just tap dancing back and forth, back and forth. And there's so many people grabbing their hats and throwing it on the ground, going Rasputin. Yeah. Just so okay. mad at him. All right. I also the, a part of it. It's a, it's also the same track as how many people end up as like energy healers in L.A. because they had the same breakup with acting where they wrote oh, yeah. a, a denouncement of acting in their own blood and thrown it at a fucking street cop. And with that, Rasputin had defeated the last of his most dangerous enemies in the Russian Orthodox Church at that time. Okay. And he began the process of replacing his enemies with friends of his own. Hey, that makes sense. Well, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. It causes a bit of a mess. <laughs> Perhaps the most infamous of those friends in the church at that time was a man named Barnava. Yes. Okay. Barnava was a short, slender, handsome monk with a high-pitched voice. So handsome and so slender, with such a high-pitched voice, in fact, mm. that he regularly passed himself off as a woman. Oh. Yeah, he was, he was kind of like, he had a big old beard. But, I mean, he wore a nice dress. <laughs> well, That's kind of he fun. Shaved his, he shaved his beard off when need be. Okay. For example, on this occasion, okay. on one Halloween, he dressed in an expensive gown and began the seduction of a local governor. Mm. Yeah. But before Varnava could seal the deal, so to speak, Varnava was outed as a man, horrifying the governor and delighting Varnava. It's like oh! the end of Ace Ventura. I got you. It is the end of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. But it's also the downfall of Mrs. Doubtfire and many other 90s comedies that ended with a man and a lady pissing in a urinal and someone going, my what? 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 Huh? <laughs> Varnava was among the first of Rasputin's quote-unquote scoundrels to be appointed to higher office on his recommendation. Now, yes, we can say that a lot of them, no, not all, were pretty fun, groovy people. Varnava was a groovy dude. He was, and they remind me of the cast from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah! where, Where it's a bunch of, like weird figures that are like on the fringes of society and Rasputin was one of them so he wanted to bring them into the government but mm. would you want Riff Raff to be comptroller? Like Maybe. it's stuff like that where it comes down to yes these are all fun choices Rasputin but in the end we have a very complicated government that we're trying to run that's in the verge of a, a world war that we're going to find out about in like fucking a year. We're going to be in the middle of a world war. And you are putting in these people. Yeah. Don't even stress the economy. I got my buddy Meatloaf working on it. <laughs> yeah, It'll be fine. Yeah, these people are five, six years out from uh, a revolution. Okay. You know, five years after a full revolution in which like the autocracy was already starting to be dismantled. They're about five to six years away from a huge revolution uh, and Rasputin is putting people into power or at least recommending that uh, his friends be put into power and without exception okay. these people are all 
terrible at their jobs. All right. Without exception. Not huh. a single one of them were good at it. Another, there's just, something's coming to mind. <laughs> there's another yeah, situation where that, but what I, I don't know. I can't well. put another my finger. Thing like where oh, people nah, are being not, put in a power based like solely on repeating. how they feel I, about a certain one person. Uh, and yeah, with and all person, kind of like loyalty to like a crime family. It's like it's like a weird thing. I don't know. It's weird. And as one person is kicked out, everyone that's replacing them is of lower and lower and lower quality. It's, I can't get it. We'll figure it out. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Rasputin. And since all these people were rascals, oh. the Russian police kept tabs on him. They even gave him fun little code names. Cool. Oh, Rasputin even had a fun little code name. His code name at first, the, the first code name wasn't that fun. His first code name was just the Russian. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah. cool. If you're just the Russian. I don't know. Actually, if my code name was just the American... I'd be pretty fucking psyched. Yeah, yeah dude, it's awesome. Yeah, that's like, that's <laughs> like Jason Bourne. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other guys, uh, but then they kind of gave uh, Rasputin like a much more descriptive name. They called him Dayomni, which meant the Dark One. Ooh, that's Think cool about too. man, because they're so scared of him too. Remember, at this same time, it's like we're obviously upon hindsight, we're making him goofy because I feel that it's it's a goofy story in the end. It's fucking Caddyshack being played out before World War One. But he in in real life, like they're viewing him as this dark fucking mage walking yeah. around that they're very very scared of. That's supposed to be in touch with satanic powers. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the other people, the other rascals, they actually got pretty whimsical names. Their names were the Crow, cool, the Jackdaw, cool, the Dove, okay, the Owl, oh, the Bird, ooh, Winter, Summer, and the Monk. Well, Whoa. they did kind of go with a the bird theme there, and then they just kind of switched it to more of a seasonal theme. Uh, Again, it's sounding like fucking anime, man. Yeah. Okay. It really does. Every once in a while, I just wanted to kick into the Evangelion theme and just fucking, oh, the big swords, the big, like, wide swords. So he's really got a, he's got a posse here. He's got a huge posse, yeah. And each one of these people would have a part to play, big and small. So with the church vanquished for the time being, Rasputin set his sights higher to his political enemies. Now, by this time, Rasputin had pissed off quite a few people in the government on both the pro and anti-Nicholas sides. Hmm. The anti-Nicholas contingency thought Rasputin was just further proof that the imperial system was outdated and broken, okay. while those on the pro-Nicholas side knew that Rasputin was damaging the imperial reputation, which put it and them in danger. Hmm. The funny thing was, they were both right. Yeah, <laughs> Rasputin wow. was bad for business for everyone except the rascals. Mm. But it would be years before anyone would or could do anything substantial about it. Okay, but a part of it is that it's but it's true is that he made everybody mad, right. and because of the nature of the autocracy, he didn't have to give Nicholas didn't have to give any reason for why he was keeping Rasputin around, and because he never addressed it at all, he was. Constantly weakening his positions on both sides. And also because in the end, if you can make a really complicated scenario boil down to one dude, that's how they attack you again and again and again. Rasputin was like a bad tooth in his mouth where it's like they could just get him at it for Rasputin every single time. He was a big, obvious target, and it was an easy target. It was much easier than trying to really solve the problems of how do you balance a dictatorship with the parliament? Like, how do you deal with all of these complicated matters? All right, we'll just shit on Rasputin because he's easy. 
Our other sponsor today for last podcast on the left is Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Simply create your Stamps.com account in minutes online and you're on your way to buying and printing official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail. From postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic to international. All using your own computer and printer. Click, print, mail, and you're done. Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll even send you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. There's no need to lease an expensive postage meter, and there are no long-term commitments. We here at Last Podcast on the left view stamps.com because we're a small business and we understand how important it is to get this done fast, cheap, and easy. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in L-E-F-T. That's Stamps.com. Enter L-E-F-T. Stamps.com. Well, before they could really do anything substantial about Rasputin, all they really had to count on was political maneuvering. Hmm. Now, one of Nicholas's supporters was the Prime Minister, Peter Stolyapin. Okay. And with this man, Rasputin had his first real challenge. Because the church was one thing. He could fake his way through that with what little experience he had. Well, let's not forget that beautiful voice. Oh, But the state was something different altogether. That's because those in the government were even more baffled by Rasputin's presence than the church was, Mm. because even the prime minister didn't know about the hemophilia. So when Nicholas was evasive about getting rid of Rasputin, he was famously quoted as saying, there's nothing I can do. It only made those around him more suspicious. Right. Because when they said when he said there's nothing I can do, a lot of people took that as like, oh, Rasputin's got something over on these right. people. Rasputin knows something about these people. Uh, I mean, or, he does. Yeah. Or they also took it as you know, like, oh, well, Nicholas can't control his wife. That mm. Alexandra yes. has all the control over Nicholas. But when he said like, there's nothing I can do, uh, it's much more likely that he was he also believed in Rasputin as far as like the hemophilia wins. Like, yeah. no, he keeps my son alive. There's nothing right. well, I can do. He was forced to. He yeah. was kind of forced to. There was like a thing where he he didn't understand the connection and he just let it ride out because he's watching his son who is just always being like, when I die, will the pain go away, mama? Like he's this like cute-faced little sweet cherub boy and he's doing everything he can to fucking save him. And then it, the, Rasputin is the only person who seemed to be able to. But, you know, at the same time, it's interesting because he's saying there's nothing I can do but the whole point is you are you are trying to fight for the autocracy by saying the, uh, the uh, fucking czar is the only one who's the truly great decider so you're undermining yourself by saying there's nothing I can do actually there's everything that you can do mm-hmm. you're the fucking czar he yeah. wants to save his son though that's right now while the prime minister's disdain for Rasputin wasn't Nicholas's only reason for replacing him it was definitely a factor but the thing was this prime minister wouldn't even survive long enough to be replaced. During a state visit to Kiev, Rasputin had a vision as the Prime Minister's carriage rode by. Rasputin screamed, quote, Death is riding behind him! Oh. And all that night, Rasputin muttered in his sleep, Death is calming! Don't you believe me? And sure enough, the next day, whilst the Prime Minister was attending the opera, a student approached him during the intermission and fired a shot into his chest. Whoa. Five days later, the Prime Minister was dead. And as a result, the legend of Rasputin grew, particularly in the minds of the Romanovs. And when it came time to pick a new Prime Minister, 
Rasputin was now at Nicholas's side, weighing in on affairs of state at the highest level for the first, but unfortunately not the last time. So Rasputin went to this guy and was like, I got some ideas for prime minister. We got the crow. We got my boy, the owl. Winter could come in here and crush this job or summer. Um, So you want the planeteers to run Russia. Well, the new prime minister, though, who is actually known by the title of the fattest man in Russia. That's cool. That is a, that's, that's awesome. a, honestly, that is an achievement. Yes. And it is very difficult. I missed that when fat was power. Yeah. Man. I mean, it's like capital F, capital M, capital R. Fattest man in Russia. That's awesome. Well, he didn't like Rasputin either. Oh. But Nicholas didn't know that because liking Rasputin was not at this time part of the litmus test. Maybe Rasputin pulled that classic joke. He's tall and lanky. The uh, guy is the fattest man. Oh, when you stand together, we're the number 10. Yeah, Laurel <laughs> and Hardy. Yeah, They're Laurel like twins. And, yeah. Well, the fattest man said that oh. Rasputin reminded him of convicts from his days in the Central Prison Administration, saying, quote, People like that would grab you by the throat and strangle you while they made the sign of the cross with a smile on their lips. You know what's funny, man? I never even saw you before, but I just knew you were fat from your voice. <laughs> Thank you. You have any idea how much borscht it took to get this big? Yeah. Like, a lot. Sound, they sound like a when you're really overweight, you kind of sound like if a pug could talk. With all <laughs> yes. that extra skin in their throat. Poor guys. Well, after the prime minister came out against Rasputin, the president of the Duma joined in, Uh-oh. then another Duma leader, and then another. Pretty much everyone was telling Nicholas to get Rasputin as far away from him, from him as possible, allies and enemies both. Mm. But Nicholas didn't listen, because Nicholas seemed to only really listen to one person, his wife, Ooh. Alexandra. Good, good. And Alexandra was constantly telling him that the only reason why their son was alive was because of their friend Rasputin. Hmm. And because of how much faith Alexandra had placed in him, Rasputin, to take one of his phrases, was getting a little too big for his breeches. He was being too big for his breeches. (laughs) He was being too... He started really flashing it around. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say, there's something about being universally loved, but also being universally hated that will solidify support as well. Yeah. That's what he did. He leaned in. He had a modern sensibility of understanding that hate is popularity. Yeah, absolutely. And And if, if everyone hates you, you must be doing something right in a in kind of a perverted political sense yeah well for example as far as Rasputin getting too big for his britches on february 13th 1913 the romanovs were celebrating the 300th anniversary of their rule over russia but it was a muted celebration to put it to put it lightly it was a bunch of people being forced to go Yay! Like as they do all of these parades and shit. Because you remember, one of them just shot the prime minister. This is not a happy yeah. co- country currently. Let's turn. Let's turn this funeral around pretty quick here. We got the 300 celebration rolling through. Okay, thank you. Get the casket out. We're gonna have this parade if I have to lead it myself. Are you Harvey Dent? <laughs> no, this whole 300 celebration. The animated movie Anastasia portrays this event as the moment when the evil Rasputin enters with his big green dildo of death and curses the Romanov family for rejecting him, bringing about the fall of the Russian Empire. And I uh, I just want to clarify with the audience here, we went out uh, before the show and Marcus came up to me. He said, man, I watched Anastasia last night. It's awesome. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what? And he's like, the animated movie. And I've never seen you so 
I guess cocky <laughs> and confident about something that you watched. I was like, okay. Yeah, dude. It's legitimately good. Okay, so check out Anastasia. Did you watch it with Carolina or were you like alone in your office watching in the other room while no. she was playing video games? We watched it together. Good. had a wonderful nice. time. Good. Oh, very nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that's surprised more people. No, the, the villain Rasputin, like he carries around a big green cock that holds all of his power everywhere that he goes and then when he finally dies in the end by having his big green cock smashed, oh. he dissolves into a puddle of cum and blows away. Uh, I'm sure I am sure there's some YouTube videos that have pointed that out. <laughs> Circle it, sign of the devil. Well, in reality, the gigantic grand ball did not happen. Rasputin did not come in proclaiming a curse on all the Romanovs. Mm. He spent most of his time at the ceremony jockeying for a good seat near the front until the fattest man in Russia told him to leave. <laughs> this is the one thing about the breakdown of all. This is a part of what makes these stories so complicated is that this the way this story is portrayed is that most of the fighting is about seating arrangements. Yeah. The Duma showed up being deal. like, why are we sitting in the back for this fucking thing? Like, why are we back here? And they're all jockeying and fighting. But then Rasputin, according to legend, showed up in a full priest regalia. Like, he, he showed up like fucking Prince with a golden cross <laughs> on and the full ornamental where he was not also, he's not supposed to be wearing because he's not a Russian Orthodox priest. So he rolls in and be like, hello, hello, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, need you, gotcha. He goes in, he sits like, and then he sits in the front row being like, everybody's happened to see me. And everyone's like, get the fuck out of here. As soon as he shows up and then he's like, I have to stay. I have an invite from the czar. And then finally, he, as he always says, he goes, Okay, and just leaves, which All is right. what he always does. There it is. Well, what he always tries first, he always tries staring at someone first. Like he'll, stare, eyes. like he'll stare at him for like 30 seconds mm. and stare really hard. Mm. <laughs> and then, and then he just leaves. And then he just leaves when the guy goes like, oh, get the fuck out of here. That's when Raspian's like, okay, <laughs> okay, bye. tried to be scary. Sorry about that. <laughs> And Rasputin's presence, he wasn't just causing trouble within the governmental system. Since the church was now firmly allied with Rasputin, the church lost face with the public because the public was even more confused about Rasputin than anyone. Okay. Because they all they're hearing is just hearsay. And like Russia's got a full on tabloid press going on at this point. But the funny thing is, is uh, the... Czar had actually made a product because the, the Russians did have free speech at this point, uh, but just like a regulated form of free speech where uh, the Czar had proclaimed that no one could mention Rasputin and the Imperial family in the same story. Okay. But they'd still just refer to him as like the man who lives at such at 1010 Stauritz Lane. Right. Uh, they'd refer to him as, as, as by, by his address, and he was so well known that people were like, oh, they're talking about Rasputin. They, I think they actually referred to him as Tri. Uh, yeah, which is kind old of a tripod. The one story. So I've been reading a lot of out of uh, Faith Power and the Twilight of the Romanovs by Douglas Smith. They got good pictures in there. And one is a whole sequence of a sketch that people did out on the streets of uh, St. Petersburg, which was two little people. One dressed as the fattest man in Russia and one dressed as Rasputin wrestling. <laughs> that's that's fun. awesome. Yeah. That's fun as Jimmy Hart was there, the mouth of the South. <laughs> Promoting the whole thing. But then, who should return from the countryside once more to Ooh. save the day? Who? Iliodor. Oh God my. damn it, Iliodor. Oh, get that dog out of here. <laughs> Maybe. Roo, 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 roo. Man, no. <laughs> now, we don't know exactly how these got out, but in 1911, letters from Alexander to Rasputin were released to the public. There was okay. a bit of a leak. Uh-oh. 
Now, as we've stressed, which is what happens when you're surrounded by nothing but fucking lackeys and cronies, there's a lot of leaks in your administration. There are a lot of people trying to figure out a way to maybe undermine what's happening. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Now, as we've stressed, Rasputin and Alexandra did not have a sexual relationship. We can be sure of that. But in the context of the rumors at the time and out of context of their personal relationship, these letters told a different story. This is what one read, in part. Forgive me, my teacher. I know I have sinned much and still do. Forgive and be patient. I try to do better, but I don't succeed. I know that much of what I do and think is not good. I want to be a good Christian, a good person, but it is so hard. So often I have to fight bad habits. But help me. Don't abandon me. I am weak and not good. I love you, and I believe in you. God grant us the joy of meeting soon. I kiss you warmly. Bless and forgive me. I am your child. Sounds like Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> yeah. Remember Zsa, Zsa, Zsa was great. I remember Zsa, Zsa. Yeah, yes. she was fun. Now, naturally, the imperial family was humiliated. I would, I would think so, yeah. They did yes. Banish Rasputin, but for his carelessness, they refused to receive him at the capital. So Rasputin returned to his hometown to sulk, as he often did. Mm -hmm. But this was a big rift. This was like actually a big rift. This was huge. They finally were like, you know what? We are sick of this shit. It's bad for us. Like, you really embarrassed Alexandra. She was mad because she felt really exposed. She didn't want anybody to know. Because the one thing that Alexandra sort of worked with was she had a lot of secret connections to people in high society. And it was how she disseminated her authority by the people that she surrounded herself with. And having that sort of cover blown and, like, seeing the real her was a, a thing that she couldn't stand. And so they sent him home. And they're like, you're so not coming So what was back. it that, that, that angered them so much again? It was that he had been sloppy leaving his life. Letters out because uh, Iliodor. Okay. We don't know exactly who stole the letters, but it was probably Iliodor back sure. when him and Rasputin were still friends. So the uh, leak is why he got in so much the, trouble. The leak he let is, it happen. The leak is why because they're okay. like, how could you possibly be this careless? Sure. Like you, you're you are communicating with the czar and the czarina. Like you, right. you have to you have to be more careful than this. And it's this on top of everything else where it's like, dude, you got to go. Right. You, you got to get out of here. But I, I would say they shouldn't have been that surprised that he was careless, <laughs> uh, given the alcohol intake, but nonetheless. But in October of 1912, the telegram miracle we talked about on the last episode came along. Mm. To recap, Alexis was badly injured during a hunting trip in Poland, the little prince was near death, and Rasputin seemingly saved the little prince with nothing more than words on a piece of paper. That's right. Remember, uh, don't let the doctors bother him too much. That's right. Uh, and so after this, he's there no matter what. Mm -hmm. From then on, he is a permanent fixture at the side of the imperial family until the day he died because they're not risking it. Right. Ever it's again. like a fucked up story because it's uh, the kid was was the kid was almost murdered by a bumpy carriage. Yeah, he was in a bumpy carriage in Poland and he suffered from a, a hemorrhage because they go to Poland to relax, which is I can feel it. The, the, the home <laughs> yeah, that's your people <laughs> there. Yeah, um, but they go and the he suffered a pain in his leg and just started screaming and they didn't know what happened and I guess he had fallen down there was like a couple of little incidents that happened and well, he kid, was yeah. dying he was bleeding out right. they didn't know what to do with him they they tried to do a blood transfusion nothing stuck then the 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 
the what's it the the they reach out finally to Rasputin. Finally, they're just desperate. They'll do it, and he said that for him to leave him alone. And it they have no clue how it works. Yeah, they, none a, of them have any clue why it, it worked that his that the bleeding stopped. Yeah, but but to them from that point on, it's it's just obvious. It's like if Rasputin's not here, the heir, not only is my son, mm-hmm. but the heir to the throne is going to die. That's right. But unfortunately for them and their entire country and the entire world, they were all sitting on the precipice of the greatest conflict conflict known to man at the time, mm. World War One. Now, here's where things get a little complicated. Okay. Here's where it gets complicated. <laughs> Here it is. Let's do this. If you really want to get into the ins and outs of World War One, please go listen to Dan Carlin's hardcore history <laughs> series called Blueprint for Armageddon after you finish this episode. I mean, just to give you a scope of how big and how complicated this thing actually is, Carlin's series runs over 20 hours, spread over six parts. Okay. And it is... Fucking fantastic. Check I mean, it out. This is Carlin at the absolute top of his game. This is an achievement. Okay. I started listening to it. Well, I had listened to it like a while ago, I guess closer to when it first came out, and I would just start walking, and all of a sudden I wouldn't know where I was because I was just <laughs> yeah. listening to hours of World War One, and I'd be like, the crowds are here. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you just ended up in Poland. So to greatly, greatly oversimplify the start of World War One. A bunch of kids assassinated Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Serbia. This relatively minor and honestly fairly common for the time event escalated tensions that had already been brewing in the area. And before you knew it, very, very quickly, Germany, Austria-Hungary, the Ottoman Empire, and Bulgaria were at war with Britain, France, Italy, and Russia. I mean, this is within a span of like two weeks. Imagine Hmm. today everything's fine. Two weeks from now, you've got China and Russia in war with the United States and Canada and everybody in, in between. Well, the nice thing now is we're always at war. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing's <laughs> even surprising yeah, yeah, anymore. We're always at war. And it's, you know, the same things that they say now uh, were being said back then as far as, uh, you know, if war could break out. Because back then they were saying, like, listen, we've got a globalist economy here. Right. There's no way. Everything's too intertwined. You know, the economy would collapse if, you know, if war were to break out. So the economy's not going to allow war to break out mm-hmm. but you know this guy gets killed and two weeks later people are dying by the thousands almost instantly right. I mean, we can't imagine the scope of violence and blood that this war produced okay but for our purposes we're only going to talk about the conflict between germany and russia like we're not going to get into the battle of Somme or anything like that like we're just talking about germany and russia we're here. sticking with rasputin <laughs> no, we Ger- have to <laughs> Now, Germany had the same problem that Russia had. They were cursed with the line of succession, Dolt, as their leader. But what the Germans did have, that the Russians didn't, was one of the greatest militaries in history. And as far as Rasputin was concerned, he couldn't have been more against the war for three very good reasons. One, Rasputin was a peasant. He knew it wasn't going to be the politician in the Duma right. or the dowager at the Imperial Palace who would see the true horrors of this war. Just like it is in every war, Rasputin knew that it would be the lower classes, his mm-hmm. people, who would die on the fields in the pursuit of land and glory. Absolutely. Black Sabbath war pigs, man. I know. I was <laughs> just going to think that. And he looks like he would love Sabbath if he was yeah, around. Yeah, he would, man. He's around. fucking super metal. But a yeah. part of this, the, it fit with his religious philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. This is the only time that he was really correct. Yeah. Where he All kept right. saying, like, no 
wars because also in the end he also knows that wars are really fucking complicated. Yeah. And he's just trying to have a good time and he's sick of all this hassle. Yeah. All right, so all we got time. Rasputin wanting to protect the pe- the peasants. Mm-hmm. And two, Rasputin knew the Russians couldn't win because the Germans had a vastly superior military both in terms of leadership and technology. Okay. The Russians, on the other hand, really only had one resource on their side. People. Mm. Russia had the largest army in the world, and Russia has never minded minded throwing a few hundred thousand extra bodies into the mill Oof. to make up for their shortcomings. Yep. And that only made the people hate the Tsar more. It's like the army of darkness. And three, Rasputin had a somewhat more selfish reason for opposing the war. And it's possible Alexander knew this too. Rasputin knew that this whole system he depended on for his lifestyle was on shaky ground. Hmm. If Russia were to lose, which they were almost certainly destined to do, then revolution was a given. And revolution meant, at the very least, exile, but most likely an unceremonious and brutal death for both the imperial family and Rasputin. Uh Uh-oh. They all knew this, though, but that was a part of the reason why Nicholas wanted to go to war was because he knew that if I can win this, Mm -hmm. I'm solidified forever. But everyone knew... You're not gonna win this. We're talking big <laughs> risk, big reward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, this is like big risk. I, I mean, it, it is a risk that is uh, so stupid. But it's yeah. also it's the problem with this autocracy. You know, it's it's these guys up at the top going, ah, I got it. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts now so what i've done to do is like so while i'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. 
because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish. Wow! I just gotta learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm gonna be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, as we've really driven home, Rasputin had no agenda. He just wanted to exist. Right. But once he got a taste of power, once he found he actually liked being a wheeler and dealer kingmaker, hmm. his days were numbered. Well, part of what he liked about working for the government was that he didn't actually have to ever produce anything. Yeah. He liked doing little bits. He liked giving favors. He liked being important to people. He liked the, all yeah. of the push and pull of the of the political world, but he didn't want to do anything like most politicians. He was a perfect 
politician because he didn't want to get anything done and he just like the zip zaps up of it. Uh, it's probably better that they don't get anything done because when they do, <laughs> it's an atrocious nightmare. But this is the most fun you can possibly have. Yeah. Being a kingmaker is it's easier than being the king and you get the same power. Yep. And here's another interesting thing to ponder. Russia would have gotten into World War One with or without Rasputin. And the chaos and failures of World War One helped to push Nicholas out of power. The question is, would the Romanovs have been able to hold on to their power had they not allowed Rasputin into their lives? Would they have been able to hold on to their power if they would not have let Rasputin into their lives? Would Russia... Very good question. Would Russia have emerged from World War One as a constitutional monarchy instead of the eventual Soviet Union possibly morphing even further into something closer to what England has? What your question was to you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good question, yes, Good question, yeah. No, it definitely isn't for us to say. We're not historians. No. But. We're not going to answer either of those. <laughs> no. Okay, well, that's but, good. But... The fact that we're even questioning the role of this country bumpkin flimflammer in the context of the spread of communism, the Cold War, and even the mess we find ourselves in today with Russia mm-hmm. is a testament to how one man can bumble his way into changing the course of world history for centuries to come. Unbelievable. Forrest Gump but horny. Forrest yeah. Gump, he just got himself into the middle of it. So and a part of what you do is have no scrupples. You gotta take yeah, them scruples, no you gotta toss them out the fucking window. So, uh, are, I mean, think about it. The, yeah. Think about it this way. I mean, Rasputin's not there. If Rasputin's not there, the Romanovs might hold on to power. Romanovs hold on to power. Russia becomes a constitutional monarchy. That happens. Lenin never comes into power. Lenin never comes into power. Communism doesn't ever get a foothold, or at least but doesn't then, get right, its first not, foothold. Not much, then yeah. st- there's no Stalin. Then after that, there's no Cold War. If communism doesn't get a foothold, then China is a completely different country. Then you take it even further than that. There's no Vietnam. There's no further Cold War, and there's no Russian interference in this election. It's these things just tumble from one to one to nerd one to alert. one. Marcus, nerd <laughs> alert. Oh, wow. We have a special alert coming in from H-Bound. But Marcus, you also have to remember there's no Anastasia. Your <laughs> there's favorite no Anastasia. movie of all well, time. That is true. Honestly, well, according to what? The original communist socialist writings isn't the idea is that revolution is a scientific inevitability isn't that the part of what they're saying is that naturally we're going to rise to a revolution so maybe they were going to make it happen either way but the story would be a lot more boring mm-hmm. if Rasputin wasn't in it <laughs> All right. and it's almost like culture works that way and it, weirdly it seems like where it kind of the like like plants growing towards the light they grow towards what's the biggest mess Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what's like the most interesting fucking knot of bullshit that we can get involved in because humans are involved? Yeah, in well, that, and that's what I'm going to refer to the sun as now. The biggest mess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Henry, you're right. It, it is but more likely than not that the Romanovs would have lost hold of power no matter what. But it's an interesting question. Absolutely. It's a yes. very interesting question. No, to yes. like, if it, this guy, like that, there's, you know, there's always that one little thing that yeah. breaks it, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it's possible that Rasputin was that. Okay. But the thing is, Rasputin almost didn't even make it to the declaration of war. As just two weeks after the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, just the mere influence of Iliodor would come close to killing Rasputin. Oh my goodness, he's going to bite him to death. 
And had this assassination attempt been successful, it's likely that Rasputin would have been no more than a funny little detail in the overall story of the Romanovs. Just a wacky little scenester. Because Rasputin's most consequential days were still to come. We're not even until the part where Rasputin was actually doing real damage. Yeah. This is him just setting the stage for him to do real damage. Okay. Yeah. So Rasputin had returned home to Pokrovskoya soon after the assassination of Ferdinand because nobody had really expected that relatively minor event to trigger a war mm. at first, much less the bloodiest conflict the world had ever seen. Right. But as the days ticked by, tensions rose. And as tensions rose, Rasputin became more concerned. However, as this seemed to be the season of the assassin, Ooh. Rasputin probably would have been better off watching his own back at home. Hmm. That's what I have my dick for. I glue two googly eyes to it. I hold it between my butt cheeks. It watches my back. Come on, guys. That's uh, You're drinking again. Yes. Yes. The reason why he should have been watching his back was because the woman with no nose was at that moment lurking around Rasputin's estate. Wait, what? The yeah. woman with... Is, is this the Princess Bride? What the hell yeah, is happening? The woman no, with we, no nose, is she Chris Farley from Dirty Work? What is yes. happening? In the land of the skunks, the woman with half a nose is king. Yes. One night, about a month before Germany declared war on Russia, Rasputin was walking out of his house to answer a telegram from Alexandra. Suddenly, a veiled woman approached from Rasputin's left. He assumed she was just a beggar, so he reached in his pocket for some coins. But as he reached in, the veiled woman pulled out a 15-inch dagger and stabbed Rasputin in the stomach. Oh, my God. My fucking butch! My fucking (laughs) gorskas! Wow. I've been stabbed! He started screaming, I've been stabbed! He grabbed a stick... And he hit her in the side of the head. And as supposedly, she would, supposedly he grabbed a stick. He hit her in the side of the head. And then, in a, again, in a completely Russian move, for some reason, everybody works like a flash mob. Groups of people showed up and grabbed her and lifted her up off of him as she was trying to stab him again. Okay. And he's going, "Oh my god!" Wow. Yeah. And when they took off her veil, police found that there was what they called an irregularly shaped hole where her nose should have been. Weird. Yeah, yeah, look up a fucking picture of this woman. She is gnarly. Cool. Yeah, dude. She's fucking, she's fucking metal, dude. And no, she was ready right. to go. Yeah. Huge yeah. hands, apparently. Yeah. Really? And although this woman was obviously crazy, Rasputin's suspicions as far as who had sent the assassin right. went immediately to one man. Uh-oh. Iliodor. Of course it's not. <laughs> but in this, Rasputin was only half right. Oh. The woman was inspired by Iliodor, yes, oh. spurred on by an article called Iliodor and Grishka, which was about Iliodor and Rasputin. But Iliodor himself probably had nothing to do with it, although he certainly acted guilty. Yeah, he acted <laughs> real guilty in the strangest way I've heard in a while. When Iliador heard about the incident, he shaved off his mustache and beard, painted himself up with makeup like a pretty lady, mm-hmm. threw on a dress, and escaped into the night. Then, still yep. in full drag, Iliador gave an interview to a newspaper in which he denied any involvement with the crime whatsoever. He then posed for some pictures and fucked off to Norway. Yep. I just want John Goodman to show up from the Big Lebowski with his bowling bag and just throw it at his stomach and be like, anti-Semite. <laughs> And just watch him curl over. But this man literally, I was like, if he's not guilty, 
I mean, it's he's acting like a dog that you caught uh, ripping up all the paper towels. He went but, full O.J. Simpson. But, but, yes. but why did he dress up as a woman just to go to the newspaper, to talk to the newspaper on record as Iliodor, and then pose for pictures dressed as a woman? I've got to be me. <laughs> I've got, I've got to, to be, be me. me. <laughs> I don't know. Now, not surprisingly, there was a fair amount of myth-making in the attempted assassination of Rasputin. Sure. Some said that the noseless woman had lost her nose from a bout of syphilis she's, she'd contracted from Rasputin, and oh. this was her getting her revenge. Okay. But in reality, the woman had lost her nose to nothing more remarkable than an allergic reaction to some medicine she'd taken as a teenager. Don't. What medicine did they give her? <laughs> I don't know. It was like lead or like mercury. What? There was something where they just slather... Goat shit on your face. <laughs> she said she had an injury as a no- she had an injury. Think about that: is that you hurt your nose with a cut. You put medicine on it, and instead of the nose healing, your nose goes away. Yeah, and makes you a skeleton person for the rest of your life. Well, let's see here. We could go to this really perfect medical professional, or this one who's going to work on Jack Nicholson from 1989's Joker, <laughs> just to really kind of get the facial reconstruction back. I did the best that I could. These are the instruments that I have. <laughs> Another myth about this story is actually pro-Rasputin, but this one isn't true either. It's said that Rasputin had sympathy for the woman and kept the violent mob from stringing her up on the spot. But in reality, Rasputin held one hell of a grudge, often referring to the assassin as, quote, The slut who stuck a knife up my ass. <laughs> clever Rasputin. <laughs> yes. Very clever. He, was, he, was, he did not mince words. No, he, he I was don't gross. think he was sober enough to. And Rasputin, he had a reason to hold a grudge. Yeah. The noseless woman had stabbed Rasputin near the navel, right through the guts, with a 15-inch dagger. Yeah. So doctors were forced to remove parts of his intestines, putting Rasputin in miserable pain for the rest of his days. Okay. And Which he, also, he dealt with by drinking. Okay. He, review, he refused anesthesia. They were going through this, and I'm like, this is just, talk about the worst injury at the worst time in the worst place. Because he got ripped up, he got cut, he got sawed in the middle of Siberia. So there were the other, the other problem too is that they couldn't get a good doctor to him, so they had whoever was available, like the town's doctor who showed up, who had to then do an incredibly delicate surgery of piecing your intestines back together and, and cutting your fucking yeah. and sewing your belly together for all intents and purposes he should have died yeah. and he was very close to death yeah Must I think been. he spent 49 days in the hospital oh wow yeah. okay but back in St. Petersburg people were overjoyed some because Rasputin had been stabbed because mm-hmm. a lot of people hated him sure but mostly because St. Petersburg was getting swept up in war fever Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> the the, uh, the 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 lead up to war, mm-hmm. people just love it. They love it so much, and that's what spurred Nicholas on because he was finally getting some love mm-hmm. because he finally got a bunch of people on his side because everybody yeah, was hungry for war. Yep. But also think about this: not only so a bunch of newspapers thought Rasputin died, so they put up they put up his obituaries that they had pre written like always, and. Getting that fucking opportunity to see your obituaries before you do, that's kind of that's cool. The thing, like a lot of the obituaries were actually very nice. Like, you know, it's like, well, don't speak ill of the dead. But as soon as the newspapers heard that Rasputin was still alive, they were like, nah, fuck that guy. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back in St. Petersburg, like Nicholas, he made the proclamation of war from a balcony at the Winter Palace, you know, and the entire crowd. I mean, it's just everybody in St. Petersburg is showing up, and the entire crowd saying, God save the Tsar. But that exuberance would be short-lived. For within months, 
Russia would be drowning in the blood of her own people with almost nothing mm. to show for it. But Rasputin, in constant pain and now in a constant state of drunkenness, pushed on. In March of 1915, Rasputin was sent to Moscow by Alexandra on a sort of pilgrimage in an attempt to reestablish Rasputin as a man of God following the assassination attempt. But Rasputin ended up doing the exact opposite. Uh-oh. And now remember, during the context of this next little bit, Rasputin is supposed to be on a pilgrimage to reclaim his religious nature. Yeah. Like, this is supposed to be a, I am chaste, I'm a good boy, nothing's going to happen bad on this trip. I've just, I've gone through a near-death experience, right. I'm a changed man. Like, this is him building up PR, it's like maybe, and you know, and they're also counting on, it's like, okay, the war is just starting, so, you know, the country's doing okay, kind of in a good mood, you know, we'll try to get people on Rasputin's side now because they know that Rasputin ain't going nowhere, so they have to try to get the PR up somehow. All right, let's get to and it. he fucks it up. Yes. So bad. No yeah. kidding, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so he arrived drunk at a Moscow restaurant named Yar. Now, <laughs> I mean, you yes. kind of have to go drunk to Yar. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. it's Yar. Because yeah. anyway, yeah. you go, Yar! <laughs> yeah, it's just... yeah, and this place sounds like pretty goddamn awesome. Like, it had food and music and singers. It's like all. It's like the place when you imagine a bunch of like old timey Russians having an awesome time and singing and drinking vodka and yeah. wine and all that. This yeah. is what that's what Yar was. I, do you yeah. think he got on stage and was like, "You have to hear my bassoon voice"? <laughs> and just it, honestly, yeah, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. So as the night went on, Rasputin got more and more drunk and more and more, shall we say, inappropriate. That's fair. He's <laughs> That's fair. He started off small by writing dirty little notes to the women singing. And when they ignored him, he started grabbing. And when mm. they got rightfully pissed off, Rasputin became what the official report called, quote, sexually psychopathic. Jesus. Although that makes it sound much worse than it really was. Because once again... Rasputin's mouth got the best of him. Well, he's just grabbing and he's grabbing and joking and screaming and leaving wet kisses and unbuttoning shirts and doing he's all the stuff horrible, that he does. He's just being a horrible monster. Yeah, he's just being a, yeah, he's being a total monster. Now, he talked often and loudly about good he was at fucking, even hinting mm-hmm. that he was having an affair with the Empress Alexandra. He pointed at his belt and said, quote, See this belt? It's Her Majesty's work. I can make her do anything. And then, to drive it home, Rasputin started making obscene gestures while referring to Alexandra as the old girl. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I don't think he made obscene sounds. <laughs> he eventually drew a crowd, and when someone asked whether he was really Rasputin, Rasputin pulled out his huge cock and waved it around as proof. Honestly, he's just Ric Flair. <laughs> yes, he is Ric Flair in that moment. Okay. Now this actually happened. This it was seems not a like it. <laughs> some, some something of it happened because yeah. according to the uh, the faith power of the Twilight of the Romanovs, there's obviously a lot of rumor. We don't know what happened. He was definitely at the yard, and he definitely got hammered mm-hmm. because I they said that a part of what they had to do is they had to put him in a private car a lot of the times and they would drive him around the block to try to sober him up and pull him back out like oh that's would, a good idea many people. oh he's really <laughs> drunk let's make him dizzy <laughs> yes let's make him dizzy it was very very okay. ridiculous well whether this completely happened or just partially happened it didn't really matter once again like perception is the only thing that matters when it comes to Rasputin and the imperial family because it did nothing to help his re- reputation and it actively hurt theirs. Mm-hmm. Despite this, 
Rasputin, once again, seemed to be rewarded for his bad behavior, which just compounded the damage on top of all that. The police director who reported Rasputin was fired, albeit for a different reason, and one of Rasputin's supporters was put in place. But nobody knew that this guy hadn't been fired for reporting Rasputin. All they saw was that this guy who had exposed, had exposed Rasputin and had been fired for it, only to be replaced by a guy who openly supported Rasputin. Mm. And the war had gone from bad to worse. In just the first year of World War I, 1.5 million Russians had died. One year, 1.5 million. And because of this, Nicholas was about to make a decision that would change the course of history. And that's where we'll pick back up. For the conclusion of Rasputin. All right, Woo! there it is. Rasputin, the groundwork has been laid for uh, the final conclusion. Yes, the real consequential acts of Rasputin. Cool. Now, it's very interesting when you get into the reading about this type of history and about bias, right? And about how, like, you have to remember, like, when anybody writes about anything, there's going to be some level of bias, even if you're, unless it's just collecting dates. Someone always has a perspective, there's like a reason for it. And Rasputin's a really a good example about how you could put whatever you want onto Rasputin. Like the pro-Russian state, like later like the nationalist Russian people would go on to say all of this stuff was, was real about Rasputin and that it was the exa- and that they, they would trash him and then there were other weird pro-people. It is very interesting trying to find the truth. Yep. Yeah. Well, remember who isn't writing a story or who is not speaking because whenever you're reading that's one person's perspective or one perspective one narrative and there's mm-hmm. always another one. Um, okay, what do we have to do here? We have to thank everyone yeah. for Patreon. Thank you all so much. Henry and I have another interview coming up in the very near future, which will yes. be very fun. Um, so thank you all for giving to that. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, if you uh, if you want to hear any of the interview series that uh, Ben and Henry uh, have done, those are available to everyone who gives uh, $5 or more to our Patreon. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. Yes. Yes, and follow us on all the bullshit on Twitter at Henry Loves You at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasty at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, the number one, and follow the... Last podcast I left on all of the bullshits at LP on the left. That's it. And support all the shows here. We have a fun Abe Lincoln's Top Pet this week. We we speak with a sex worker and also with my friend Sarah Lyons about uh, racist taking over paganism. Mm-hmm. So kind of a fun little crossover there. I think you'll enjoy that and keep you on listening Al-Sutra. to all the shows. Yeah. Are you going into you're going to Altutra and all that Get shit? A little bit into totally. that. Totally. Yeah, I found out that Ben did not pay attention during our black metal episodes no. at all. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> but a part of it is it, I like but the it, music. But it makes me mad because I love runes and it's mad like don't take my runes from me. Yeah. yeah. Sad. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, that's basically Magoostalations. Hail yourself, right? Yeah. Is that what we say at yeah, the end of these yeah, things? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. do we end the show usually? Uh, you, you say- Welcome to the last podcast of the Left Over One. <laughs> no, I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Park. Right. Hail Satan. Again. Hail yourselves. Hail me. And a magustalations. Just mm-hmm. give it up. Just thank you so much for listening. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.